Book of 1 John in chapter 4. Book of 1 John in chapter 4. Last Wednesday night we talked about a little bit about love and uh, I, I don't think we could ever cover everything that, that the Bible says about love because from Genesis to Revelations it, it really stresses the love that God had for us. And it really stresses the love that we should have for each other. Jesus said there are two commandments. And to, to paraphrase, not to take away from the words of Christ, but to paraphrase, he said, love God, love people. The, Jesus, the Jews had uh, taken the Mosaic law and they took it down to 613 different rules. But Jesus broke it down to two. Love God and love people. And we talked a little bit about that last week. We're going to continue on that tonight. The book of 1 John in chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse number 18. The book of 1 John in chapter 4, verse number 18. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together tonight at your house. God, we thank you for all the blessings of life that you've given us. God, help us so we can be ever thankful and mindful where our blessings come from. God, help us tonight as we look into your word, God, that we could open our hearts and we could allow your Holy Spirit to, to dwell within us, God, that, that you could speak to us through your word, through your spirit, God. Help us so we could be receptive, that we wouldn't turn a deaf ear, God, that we could love each other in a greater way, that we could love the, we could love our neighbor in a greater way. God, help us so we would never do or say anything that would bring shame or reproach upon your holy name. God, help us so we could, that we could even act as we love, God, that we wouldn't give off a a feeling of hate, of distance, God, but that people could see that we're Christians by the way we act, by the way we treat other people. God, help us tonight that we could draw closer to you as individuals and as a church. God, that we could allow you to work through us. Forgive us for we fail you. Thank you most of all for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Last week we talked about what love is, and tonight we're going to talk a little bit about what love is Is it. We said last week that it's hard to, to hate somebody and love them at the same time. The Bible here says that it is impossible. And you, you hear people say, well, we have a love-hate relationship. I have a love-hate relationship with donuts, king cake. But the reality of it is, is that with people, we can't have a love-hate relationship. That does not exist. George Strait sings a song, and I, I can't help but it, it comes to my mind. He said, I, don't, I know she still loves me, but I don't think she likes me anymore. We can love somebody and not like them. That is 100% true. But we can't call ourselves Christians and then have hate in our heart for somebody. We don't have to show somebody that we hate them. We don't have to tell somebody that we hate them. But if we have hate in our heart toward our brother, toward our neighbor, and we're going to get to the good Samaritan that we sang about in the rose among the thorns in just a minute. Who is our neighbor? Who is our brother? It's, it's anybody that we meet. It's everybody that surrounds us. And if, if we have God in our heart, then we cannot have hate in our heart. It don't work that way. We, we can't straddle the fence. We can't serve God and mammon. It is one or the other. 
There's there's no gray area. There's a definitive line on, in black and white when it comes to that. And if we're going to serve God, then we cannot hate. We can dislike. At some point in time, everybody is, is going to do something that we dislike. There's nobody in this world that is going to do everything absolutely perfect the way I want it. At some point in time, I'm going to dislike it. But that don't mean I hate that person. We can love people and not like them. But the Bible says here, if a man say, I love God, verse number 20, and hateth, hateth his brother, he is a liar. Now, that is a, a big rip to somebody to call him a liar. But, but John says here that if, that if we call ourselves a, a lover of God, if we call ourselves a Christian, if we say that we love God, but we harbor hate within our heart that we are a liar. And if, if we're not careful, that'll cut us deep. It's really easy to hate somebody. It's really easy. As a Christian, it shouldn't be. But if we don't watch it, we'll get to harboring feelings against people because of the way they look, because of the way they act, because of the places they go, because they have life easier, because they have life harder, because they have things I don't have. And it, it stems back to pride and jealousy. That's where a lot of hate comes from. It comes from the, the fact that, that I think I'm better than them. They're below me. The Bible don't say anything about that. It says it's not the way a Christian is supposed to act. We're studying the fruit of the Spirit and love being, being one of them. If, if we're a Christian, then we have to show that. That has to be some of the fruit that we bear. And then getting ourselves built up in pride does not show love. If we look up at our nose at somebody, we're going to be like the turkey and we're just going to drown right there. We're not going to make it. And the second is jealousy. With the social media area, era that, that has come upon us, it is very, very easy to get very, very jealous. My wife follows these bloggers on Instagram, and golly, she follows a lot of them. And she'll show me a picture. Oh, look what they're doing. Look what she's doing. Look where they're vacationing at. And we have to be very, very careful not to let that get in on us. Be very, very careful not to allow us to harbor feelings against these people because they're doing things that we would enjoy to do. Whenever we're studying the Ten Commandments as a kid, I'll never forget it. We asked Daddy, what's the word covet mean? As a kid, you don't know that word. They don't teach it in school. It's not something that we looked up in the dictionary because we didn't have cell phones when I was a kid or a computer that functioned faster than a dictionary. So it's not something that we grabbed that dictionary and looked it up. So Daddy said, he said, he said it's like this. He said, if the neighbor gets a new truck, I can say, I like that truck. Perfectly okay. I can say, I would love to have a truck like that. That's okay. It's whenever you say, I want his truck, that it becomes a problem. That it becomes an issue because then you're, because then you're coveting, you're wanting something that somebody else has that you didn't earn, that you didn't get for any valid reason. And you're harboring jealous feelings within yourself toward that person. Very quickly, that can turn into hate. Very quickly. The Bible says here we love him because he first loved us. People didn't deserve the love of God. From the fall of man, from, from Adam and Eve, people did not deserve the love of God. We're not to love people because they deserve it. We're to love people because God loved us. Amen. And that is the extent of it. That is as far as it goes. Twenty-one, Verse number 21, And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. These four verses leave two things 
in my mind to love everybody. Period. Had an ag teacher in high school. You knew he was serious whenever he started pronouncing his punctuations. He was very serious about things. He would say, period. And his, his whole face would shake. And I mean, he was turning red. And you knew he meant business. Whenever he started pronouncing his periods. And, and then the Bible puts periods in here for a reason. That they're not something that we glance over. He said that he who loveth God love his brother also. Period. There's no continuation. There's no other explanation needed. There's nothing else required. That is the end of it. That is as far as it goes. God didn't need to explain it any further. He said love everybody. And the second point that, that I get out of these four verses that, that leave no room for anybody to shoot holes in is, is that this boils down to our love being exceptionless. I think that's a word. I didn't look it up. Without exception. No one should be exempt from our love. As Christians, nobody should get, I'm not going to say nobody should get more love than the other. Nobody should get no love from any of us. No person should feel unloved by a Christian. Ever. If we find ourselves not liking somebody, that's all right. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. Whenever one of God's children goes astray, whenever we mess up, God don't hate us. He is displeased. He hates the sin. The spirit is quenched, but God don't hate us. When somebody messes up, whatever you, whenever your kids mess up, do you disown them like that and walk away? Or do you teach them? Do you show them? Do you help them? That is love. Helping somebody. Being kind to somebody. Whether they need it or not, that don't matter. Whether they deserve it or not, that don't matter. Whether they can somehow or another repay you for your kindness, that don't matter either. All too many times, it's uh, we go back to that mentality. Well, I can I can help you out, but, but the question is, what can you do for me? That is the wrong mentality to have. If we approach somebody thinking, what can they do for me? Okay, if, if they can help me out, then, then I'll show love toward them. What if God only showed love toward people that could return it to him? What if God only showed love toward people that could buy their salvation? What if God's salvation only applied to individuals with blonde hair? What if God's plan of salvation only applied to individuals that lived in a certain place? That would be wrong. The Bible says whosoever will. Our love should be whosoever is. Meaning, whosoever is around, we ought to love. And that ought to be as far as it goes. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 John. Well, we're already there. 1 John in chapter 3. i got to turn back the page, but you're okay. 1 John in chapter 3, verse 18, the Bible says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, here we go, but in deed and in truth. You ever told somebody you loved them and didn't mean it? You ever told somebody you loved them and, and you had a little bit less of love in your heart than you let on? You can tell somebody that, but words are cheap. A dime a dozen comes to mind. You can tell somebody anything. And there's a, a statement and it's on, it's on a lot of teachers' walls, especially about at the junior high level, the kids start understanding it. The high school level, they really get it. 
And it says that nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. And that is the absolute truth. Nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. The Bible says love not in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. We prove to ourselves that we are children of God by the love that we show to the world. We prove to the world that we are children of God by the love that we expel every day. You ever been around that type of person that, that you, they just bring you down? I'm not talking about a, a, a giddy and up mood. I'm talking about people that are genuinely upsetting to be around. There, there are those type of people. The Bible says love them too. But don't tell them you love them because that'll probably just, just roll off their back like water off a duck. It means a whole lot more when you show them. The Bible says if a man's hungry, will you give him a stone? Will you give him a rock? And say, be fed, go thy way. Words mean nothing. If you don't show them. If you don't prove them. Love is not an emotion. It's often confused with emotion because you can feel and Hallmark movies say it comes from the heart, but the Bible says the heart is deceitful. Love is a verb. Love is an action. Love gets results. There's a, I think it's a physics law or science law that every action, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. It's somewhere in a science book. For every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. For every time we love somebody there is a reaction. One way or the other, there is a reaction. If our love does not, if our love does not cause a reaction, we need to check up on our love, because we may be like the Bible says here. We may be doing it in deed, in in tongue, and in word. But the Bible says to love not in tongue and in word, but in deed and in truth. To prove it, the two most powerful words in algebra is to prove it. If you can't prove that you love somebody, then you have nothing to tell. You can say it all you want. It means nothing if you can't prove it. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans in chapter 8. The book of Romans in chapter 8. Love is something else that we often miss out on. And for most of you, you probably understand this a whole lot better than I do. But love is powerful. Love can change someone's life. Love can change someone's outlook. Love can change everything about a person. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. But not loving somebody can have the exact same effect. Passing somebody by, missing an opportunity, not allowing yourself to expel that Christian joy and that Christian love that, that dwells within us can spark an equal and opposite reaction. Romans in chapter 8, verse number 31. Romans chapter 8, verse number 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. I don't leave anybody out. God's love in this verse, he said, is exceptionless. Without exception, nobody is exempt from this. Gave him up for us all. How shall he not with him also 
freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The Bible says that, that we love because God loved us first. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, and we're going to read all this stuff that he said can't separate us in a minute. What do we allow to separate us, or to separate our love from the world? How much does it take for us not to love somebody? How much does a person have to do to, the point, to get to the point that, that we can't love them anymore? How far does a person have to go? My neighbor said after he found out that, that we was having a girl, he has a girl, and then our neighbors across the road all have girls. He said that he was going to build a, a barricade across the front of the cul-de-sac. That way nobody could ever, ever get in. Because right now the population of males in the cul-de-sac is three. And he said that's as many as there needs to be. He said he, he wants to build a fence all the way around the way nobody else can get in. He said that's far enough. That's done. He said if anybody ever messes with his daughter, he said he don't mind going to jail. And he's, he's told me that as long as I've known him. And I understand that now. My daddy always said the same thing. If anybody messed with his kids, that is love. Going the extra mile for somebody that is kin to you, for blood. We can go the extra mile for friends, for family. But Christ went all the way for strangers. He went all the way for people that were mean and ugly. He went all the way for people that were sinners. He went all the way for me and for you. And if the only people we can love is those that are close to us, those that are family, those that are friends, those that are church members, if those are the only ones we can love, the Bible said, ain't it easy to love your friend? He said, he said the Pharisees and the Sadducees do that. The trick is loving everybody else. The trick is not showing partiality. The, the trick is not hating someone just because you don't know them. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we were killed all the day long. We were accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor depth, nor height, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in this world can separate us from God's love. So what should separate us from loving the world? Nothing. Nothing at all should keep us from loving other people. Is it hard? Is it hard to love kids that curse you out? In public, is it hard to to love that person that's standing in front of you at the checkout line at the dollar store, talking on the cell phone with thirteen dozen items in the buggy, and she's just sitting there waiting? Is it hard to love that person? Is it hard to love the person that cuts you off in traffic? The person that gets your order wrong at McDonald's don't give you no French fries with your Big Mac. It's hard to love that person, but the Bible says love me anyway. Paraphrasing, of course. They didn't have McDonald's back in Jesus' day. 
But the Bible says to love him anyway. He said, if a man does you wrong, love him anyway. The Bible says nothing can separate us from God. So nothing should separate us. Well, let's turn over and read it. Luke in chapter 10. Nothing should keep us from loving each other. Book of Luke in chapter 10. Again, we're studying the fruit of the Spirit. And if we are going to consider ourselves to be a Christian, then one thing that we have to do is love. And Jesus said that... Well, let's go ahead and read. In Luke in chapter 10, verse number 28. Luke in chapter 10, verse number 28. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. The man answered a question that Jesus asked. He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Like we said, love God, love people. Jesus said, That is absolutely right. The man said unto Jesus, uh, verse number 29, But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? He said, if we're to love our neighbor as myself, I can love the person next, day, next to me down the road. That's no problem. Chances are, if you live next to someone, you know them, you're friends with them, you probably have the same belief system, at least you're close, especially living in South Louisiana. But Jesus answered him with a story. Known as the Good Samaritan, he said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, was stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. The man thought he was too good. Likewise, a Levite. And when he was at the place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. A man that was of a different class. Two men here that looked on the person who they could have loved, who they should have loved and chose not to. Maybe from a sense of pride. Maybe from a lack of concern. Maybe just be totally disconnected with the concept of love. And the story goes here in verse number 33, but a, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, had compassion on him. Jesus asked the man over in verse 36, he said, Which of these thinkest thou was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Who was a neighbor to the man in distress? Who was the... Who loved the man that couldn't repay him? That couldn't help himself? That by all accounts did not deserve it? Could do absolutely nothing. Total stranger. Who was the neighbor? Who was the friend? Who showed love? The man said, He that showed mercy on him. He that showed mercy. He who helped. If you've ever been in a situation where somebody come by and they hugged you and said, I love you. Been in a restaurant. And the waiter or waitress asked if you needed them to pray with you. Or if you ask waiter and waitress if you would like, if they would like for you to pray with them. See a total stranger fall to pieces and help them out. Open the door for somebody. Wave and let somebody merge in front of you even though traffic is bumper to bumper. Love comes in so many shapes and forms we can't even recognize it all. Amen. Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. He said, this man showed love to a man that couldn't repay him. Love don't need repayment. Go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, known as the love chapter. 
This man showed mercy to a man who did not deserve it. Because none of us did. This man showed mercy to a man that was not distinguished, was not high-born, because love does not discriminate. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is, is read all the time in marriages. It's known as the love chapter. Paul here uses the word charity. And pretty much all of the different translations that I have read substitute the word love for charity in this chapter. I don't believe that's right because charity goes further. Whenever you give a gift to someone and you put your name on it, a little to and from tag, or if you're like me and you really want to aggravate your wife, you slap an index card on there with duct tape, write your name on it, that really gets her. Whenever we give Christmas gifts, birthday gifts, we write our name on it. And seeing that person open up and, and say thank you gives us a sense of satisfaction, a sense of gratification, especially if they enjoy it, if it's something they can use. And if that's the reason we give the gift, then we're not just doing it out of love. But if we can give a gift, if, if we can show someone that we love them without putting our sticker on it, without putting our stamp on it, without getting credit for it, that's love. Love is, is more than an emotion. Love is an action. And love in action is often considered to be charity. Is love proving itself? Is love not needing something in return? Is love not doing it for the self-gratification? Verse number one, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. How big of a statement is that? Paul said, if I have everything, if I have all knowledge. He didn't say if I was the smartest man on earth. He said if I had all knowledge. He said, if I knew all mysteries, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I have all the faith so that I could tell that mountain to get on and it would get up and get on. He said, that is nothing without charity. Absolutely nothing. Back in the Egyptian days, Pharaoh's magicians and sorcerers had power, did they not? Everything that Moses and Aaron came in and done, they, they did their best to do it too. And, and a lot of times they did. Hit the nail on the head. Throw a, a stick down there and boom, snake. I'd have lost my mind right there. Moses and Aaron snake ate theirs. Because God is all powerful. God is all knowing. But without the love of God, where would we be? God has it all. I'm going to skip down. If you get an opportunity to read this whole chapter, it does me a lot of good, and I'm, I'm sure it will you as well. Verse number four, charity suffereth long and is kind. It may take some time to learn to love somebody, but it's well worth it. Charity vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up. 
If we do something because of the self-gratification, it's not doing us any good. If we do something because it makes us feel better, it's not doing us any good. We should do it out of love. Verse number 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three. But the greatest is charity. Throughout the whole Bible, faith is stressed. Throughout the whole Bible, there's a whole chapter in Hebrews devoted to it. Jesus taught about it. Time and time again, we're reminded that faith is important. Jesus said just an inkling of faith and you can move them out. Paul said it's not the most important. God said it's not the most important. Jesus is our hope in the second resurrection. Jesus is the hope in which we place our life. But hope is not the most important. Paul said now abide faith, hope, and charity. These three. But the greatest of all is charity. The greatest fruit that we could bear as a Christian is love. Is charity. The greatest thing that we can do as a person, as a human, is to love. The greatest action that we could ever that we could ever do. The greatest demonstration of being a true Christian that we could ever make is to love unconditionally. God loved us while we were yet sinners. While we didn't deserve it. And Jesus told the man, he said, go and do likewise. God's telling each and every one of us to go and do likewise. May I challenge us all this week. Find somebody to love the rest of the week. Find a way to love somebody. Find somebody that you may be harboring feelings against. Somebody that looks different, tell them you love them. Encourage them, pray for them, pick up the phone and call them and talk to them. Tell somebody you love them. Show the Christian spirit of love. While we have a verse of a song.